You're listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality, news, analysis, strategies, and opinions, direct from the veteran team at the Rain Research Institute, with today's host, real estate strategist, Russell Westcott. Good morning, result seekers. Russell Westcott from the Real Estate Investment Network, welcoming you to another fantastic kick in the backside to get your week off in the right direction. Ooh, kick in the backside, Russ. Wow. I once read a quote that (laughs) your words define your experience. And on that thought, we have a tremendous message for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard them already. Let's welcome Mr. Richard Dolan. Good morning, Rich. Hey, good morning, Russ. You, all, you, know, you put a big smile on my face every time you open up the lines for this wonderful call, i got to tell you. I look forward to it each and every week. I have three reminder uh, emails that get sent to me on this one because I look forward to it that much. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, you know, nothing beats getting prepared for these kind of calls because I know that we've had some incredible record numbers, uh, hundreds of members dialing in live coast-to-coast, um, and even those signing up online from wherever they are in the world just to dial in remotely through the web uh, broadcast. And then dialing back in just to listen in on the uh, replays, which is just fantastic. So bravo, uh, Russell. This, this, in fact, this entire mastery audio uh, version of extended lessons for those who are listening in has been your brainchild. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm, I very much enjoy it. Thank you. You know, what, what folks don't really realize is that you and I have so much fun. You know, we have so much fun, uh, not just on stage, but even off stage and behind the scenes when we're, you know, writing up our content and being able to put together our presentations. And what people don't realize is that we get pretty juiced up and jazzed about some of the personal vocabulary that we get to use. And that's the theme for this week, personal vocabulary, uh, juiced and jazzed. You know, and, and it's a very important part of not just being able to relate to uh, real estate, which can really get dull sometimes. There's only so many ways you can talk about real estate, right? But words are the labels you apply to your experiences, aren't they? You know, not like nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning you give it. So when you look at uh, juicing and jazzing your personal vocabulary, uh, you're talking about engaging in internal dialogue that honors and helps oneself, you know, interpreting events in such a way that... They keep uh, one optimistic and motivated perspective, you know, practicing self-observation and even vigilance to guard against a negative mindset. I find a juice and jazz personal vocabulary is a unique signature. Personal vocabulary is packed with emotion and passion. It even helps you understand the role one plays in the life of others and being able to talk to them in a way that uh, they want to be spoken to. So what I find that is so important about juicing and jazzing, if it were your personal vocabulary, is it really allows people to understand how you engage people, how they engage you, and how you're even remembered. You know, we we need not look too far back that we just uh, graduated just over 100 graduates coast-to-coast from the first rendition of RainSpeak. And RainSpeak wasn't just about presenting. It wasn't just about conversing. It wasn't just about connecting. It was about communicating, right? Being able to communicate with people in a way that has you be respected, heard, and acknowledged. So when, it look, when you look at being quiet and listening to the uh, next 15 seconds, if it were, without moving, if you were to try that, you'd have to ask yourself, what do you hear, right? The noises around you, right? The breathing of the person next to you, you know, the growling of your stomach like mine right now, <laughs> the hum of your computer, the wind outside perhaps, but... What did you hear inside your head? Hmm? See, the words that you were speaking to yourself, your thoughts, you see, you were thinking about why I was asking you to do this exercise, I bet, but in fact, you were thinking four times faster than you talk. You see, we speak at the rate of about 200 words a minute. 
but we speak mentally to ourselves at the rate of 800 words a minute. What's more is our internal dialogue is incessant. You know, it's every second of every hour of every day of every week of every month, uh, awake or asleep. No wonder, you know, James Allen once wrote that as a man thinks, so he becomes. Or as Descartes once said, I think, therefore I am. (laughs) So how good is the quality of your internal dialogue? Do you control your thoughts or do your thoughts control you? You see, how effective are you in managing the six inches of mental real estate between your ears? In times of challenge and change, real personal power and excellence is rooted in thought. You know, the source of all that follows. As James uh, John Milton once wrote, a man can make a heaven of any hell or a hell of any heaven. There is an ancient injunction passed down through the ages. You see, sow your thoughts, reap your emotions. Sow your emotions, reap your actions. Sow your actions, reap your habits. Sow your habits, reap your character. Sow your character, reap your destiny. What I want you to do is I'd want you to read some of the words I prepared for you, but you can't because you're on the call. So here's what I want you to do is that when you get a chance, circle back and listen to this call again. And what I'm going to share with you is, 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 is the words that I wrote. And as I do share them with you, I want you to think about how they make you feel, right? Having an intense argument with someone, how does that make you feel? You know, losing your temper, how does that make you feel? Just think about that for a second. Making a complete fool of yourself, I do that often. I think uh, Russell's a, a close second. Uh, a car accident, how would that make you feel? Failing your most important exam, or watching a husband and wife shout at each other, or having dinner at an exquisite restaurant with your favorite person, which might be me and Russ, by the way. Uh, winning five million bucks in the national lottery, whatever that might look like or enjoying a three-week Caribbean vacation, or closing your biggest real estate deal ever. You see, what happened? You know, each set of those words triggered a corresponding set of thoughts in your brain. Did you not notice that? And each set of thoughts triggered a corresponding set of emotions. And each set of emotions triggered a corresponding desire to take certain actions. So what are the thoughts that live inside your head? Do they trigger powerful and positive emotions most of the time? Are you consciously choosing your thoughts? Or are they continually motivating you? Or are they holding you hostage? Are they the source of tension, worry, and anxiety? What do you find yourself focusing on most often? The upside or the downside of everything? You see, you've got to be vigilant from this moment on, engage in continual mind checks, if it were, every day or even every hour, if necessary. For example, as I'm even sharing with you these words, I know that I have a deadline just a few days away on a number of items. I also know that unless my uh, partners uh, would like me to um, you know, uh, let me go, I better get this stuff done. I could think about the possibility of failure and I could get worried and then depressed, but personally, however, my creativity drives up when I'm anxious. So I have to consciously think about the exhilarating rewards of success. I have to think and write as though it is impossible to fail. I have to saturate myself in the thoughts and emotions of success. In fact, I make myself experience all the ecstasy and fulfillment of success in advance. It must become real for me. See, this is not complicated, friends. It doesn't take the IQ of Einstein to figure it out. What it does take, though, is the tenacity and the practice to follow through day in and day out. Oh, and by the way, I'm not telling you you need to ignore the problems. As a good friend of mine once advised me, trust in God, but lock up your your camels. <laughs> you know, I'm suggesting that whatever your problems are, consciously see them in a light that empowers you. And this includes people problems. So if you're angry with someone else, for example, you will allow him to live rent-free, if it were, in your mind. So whatever he may have done to you, think about him differently. Let it go, or it's going to bring you down. 
You know, I learned uh, this principle from uh, two monks in a girl story that was shared with me by a man by the name of Robin Sharma. And I've often quoted him because he's been a great friend, a great admirer, and a great supporter of my work. And he shared with me, it goes like this, it says, Once upon a time, you know, two monks were on their way back to the monastery when they came to a strongly flowing river, which they would have to cross. Both were big, powerful men, so crossing the river did not pose a problem. Now, as they were about to cross, however, they noticed a frail young girl standing about 50 yards downstream from them on the same side of the river. She looked worried because she knew that she could not cross the river by herself, and night was falling fast. So the first monk looked at the girl and decided that he couldn't help her because of his vow of uh, celibacy, which forbade him even to touch a woman. The second monk looked at the young woman and was concerned about her safety. He knew that if he didn't help her, she would have to spend the night by the river until she could cross it with, uh, when it subsided in the morning. He balanced his vows of celibacy against the well-being of a fellow human being. He knew that if he didn't help her and something terrible happened to her, he would never be able to forgive himself. He called to the young woman, put her on his shoulders, and carried her across the river. The moment he reached the other side, he put her down and bade her farewell. Then he continued on his way. About five hours goes by as the moon rose high in the sky. The first monk said to his companion, You should be ashamed of yourself. You violated your vows of celibacy by carrying that girl across the river. The second monk replied calmly, Yes, but I let her go five hours ago. You are still carrying her around. <laughs> Dr. Martin Seligman, a very good good friend of mine who's an incredible pioneer of happiness economics, he is the author of Learned Optimism. He takes it a step further. He states that the fundamental trait of people who sustain their levels of optimism in the face of adversity is their ability to interpret events to themselves in an empowering manner. So, for example, if they were salespeople who had not made a sale to the prospect, they would not consider themselves to have been rejected. They would simply have benefited from a learning experience, or they would have been through a dress rehearsal for the next attempt to sell to the prospect. So the question becomes, how do you explain adverse events to yourself? Do you consistently empower yourself, or are you wearing away your resilience from within? There's always a positive meaning in every experience. You just have to find it. Recently, I remember I was being asked uh, how I managed to consistently sustain my bullish outlook on life. Here's what I said. It's easy. I attend all my own seminars. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Seriously, you're not crazy if you talk to yourself as long as you say the right words. That's the point. You've got to be self-aware. So your homework for the week is this. I want you to define at least one, if not two, event scenarios or adverse things that just happened to you that you've been carrying along the way. And I want you to look at that and rather than judging it, assessing it, or having concluded upon it for all that it is and all that it was, I want you to look for the most brightest, most incredible, self-serving perspective it possibly can. So in other words, you got into a car accident, you rode off your car, and now you have to pay for it. Well, look at the bright side. Now you get to go and buy a brand new car with absolute new benefits and features that weren't available to you in your old car, something like that. Now, I know that might not be easy for anybody who's recently written off their car, but that's what I'm looking for. Now, for those who are real zealous, go for five, five things that have really happened adversely. And I want you to just kind of get into the practice of shifting the perspective, the learned optimism. Why? Because juicing and jazzing the vocabulary that you have not only fuels the way in which you communicate orally with people, it's the way in which you communicate with yourself starting with your mind and ending with yourself. Russ, back to you. Juicing and jazzing. I Juicing love it. Juicing and jazzing. <laughs> so, Rich, would you, I've noticed a behavior of yours, and this is some of the things I, I, by a lot of my observation of you, 
uh, we talked about today about your words define your experience and your words are your labels. You cannot walk by a bookstore without buying more books for your library, can you not? It's, it's so true. If you were to ask uh, Patrick or Dean, I'm sure they would actually admit to you that my bills for buying books are so enormous. And, and the major reason why is because I just can't get away with uh, or from how often and frequently I'm drawn to the way people use words, brand themselves with words, and how they sell books using words, using language. Well, I think one of the funniest stories was, I think I believe it was we were at the Edmonton Airport, and Richard's bag was now overweight, but it was a lot lighter when you got there. And all of a sudden, Russ, put these two books in your bag. Patrick, you put this one here, Don. Here you put a book in here, and we all had to split out all the books that you had bought. That's Edmonton, right. And just to lighten the load. <laughs> That's true. You're absolutely right. You're embarrassing me, but it's so true. We had to, I actually had to literally open up my bag physically in the middle of the WestJet checking counter and pull away, you know, my whole laundry bag and my and my socks and my stuff and pull out of that bag about six books that I'd purchased on my travels with you and uh, and Patrick. That was true. So thanks so much for carrying the brunt of it. Oh, my my pleasure. But the message is you you probably have read all of those already, and more importantly, you've implemented vocabulary into your own life already because of that. Absolutely. And you know what, Russ. Not not to keep uh, you know uh, sharing the uh, hogging all the sunshine for ourselves. You know you are also an incredible student of actually acclimatizing to your environment. So when I use different vocabulary and when I know I'm using very different ways to position perspectives, you're also adopting it. And that would be my advice for all those listening in: is if you want to really begin to expand your juicy and jazz vocabulary, if it were, whether it's just for perspectives or even from a presentation perspective begin to listen to how other people use language and begin to adopt it. That's the only way you're going to learn. It's why I read to my son, who's five years of age, and now he's just turned six. And the reason why he's got a great uh, vocabulary, I believe, is because I read to him every single day for at least 30 minutes, like teachers tell you to. Why? So that they can get acclimatized to an expanded suite of vocabulary. You've got to do it, not just when you were young, but until the day you die. Yep. And if you want to see people's reactions to you, start using a different language. Start using words like juiced and jazz, and you will see a different response from people. So. Hey, I've got a really juicy and jazzy real estate deal. You want to talk about it after the call? Uh, that's a lot different than, well, I got a ca- cash flow producing property here. <laughs> you got it, buddy. What a fantastic place to leave the message. I'm Russell Westcott from the Real Estate Investment Network. If you have any questions at all, you can always call our office, one 824 Have yourself a masterful week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and engaging with the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality. Share the reality.